doing today? Doing good? Awesome? So, did you enjoy your week off? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so glad to be back here with you guys after having the week off and, you know, having that crazy snow, whatever happened, but uh, we're just so glad that you're here today and that's what matters is that we're in the presence of God today that, you know what, God is so awesome and God is so strong and he can overcome anything, right? There is nothing that our God can't do. So today as we enter into worship, I just encourage you just to take it a step further. Take a step further into who God is. Just let him comfort you right where you are today. Just close your eyes as I pray over you today. God, we ask that your, your spirit would fill this place right now, Lord. God, we ask that you would meet us here today. God, we've come to meet with you. God, we came here just to be with you. There is nowhere else we would rather be right now, God, so meet with us here today. Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory come down into this place right now. We just empty ourselves out of who we are, God, to allow you to fill us today, God. Everything, every burden that we've come here today with, Lord, we give it to you right now. In the name of Jesus.
simple gospel and I think too often in life we we try to complicate things we try to make things about what we can do to draw close to God um, and that's why that, that that line there said I'm laying down all my religion because that's religion when we try to approach God and what we can do um, and I had to look and I sat back and I thought what is the simple gospel and I I think sometimes if you've gone to church too long we can easily overlook John 3 16 it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That that's the gospel. It's not about what we can do. And then also in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, it says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am a chief. So as Paul's writing that, he's, he's saying, I'm the chief of sinners. He doesn't come boasting in himself if you go to uh, Philippians and read chapter 3 he talks about all the things he tried to do when he was a Jew to approach God and he looked at it and he's like no nah, that, that stuff doesn't matter that's not the gospel um, I had the privilege a couple years ago working in children's ministry um, and we break it down to the ABC's because it is it's the basics it's the simplicity of the gospel that makes it beautiful so when you look at A it's you have to accept that you're a a sinner and that's what Paul said he said I am the chief of sinners he looked at himself and realized he wasn't good he says man God I'm not good and as you continue to glorify God and see his holiness and his pureness you just see more and more that you're not good it's not our goodness that saves us so that's a is you have to accept you're a sinner B is you need to believe that Jesus Christ is God he did come and live a perfect life he died he did raise from the dead to give you new life, that you should rise. And, uh, and the C is to confess. Confess your sins. And just come, man, God, I messed up. I need you. I really do. Confess your sins and confess Christ as Lord. That is the simple gospel. And the beauty of it, too, this next line I'm going to sing. This is my, probably my favorite part of the song. Because we are. We're bad. We're not, we're not good people. We're bad people. Um, and too often, the Bible says the devil is the accuser of the brethren. And he tells us to be ashamed of our sin and our mess-ups. But when Jesus' blood covers us, we don't have to walk in shame anymore. It's not our goodness we rely on. We rely on him. So um, just, just take these words in. And as we sing, I hope you guys sing along. But it's, it's just beautiful, the simplicity of the gospel. Don't make it about you. Make it about Jesus. He's got us. Lord, I've been told I don't measure up. Lord, I've been told 
sing that again, okay? Lord, I've been told to be ashamed. Lord, I've been told I don't measure. Lord, I've been told I'm not good enough. But you're here. Reach out as you find me in the Sing all of my Simple. 
We choose to rejoice in you. No matter what we face or stands in our way, God, I choose today to praise you not based on my circumstances and not based on what I can see, but based on who you are spirit and in truth, God, like your word says, I worship you with all that I am. All that I am glorifies all that you are. Because the truth of it is that you are God, that there is no one above you. And I choose today to stand on your word. strongly that there needs to be a surrender that there's there's burdens there's a God that loves you that wants to know you so choose today believe in what he says we believe in the gospel right we believe it is so simple his son to die for us so why why do we question God when he says by my stripes you are healed not anymore today I choose to believe your word God God when your word says raise up a child in the way they should go when they grow old they will not depart from it I choose to believe that what I impart in my child today will not leave them I choose to believe in your word when you say that your loving kindness goes from everlasting to everlasting, from generation to generation, that you will not leave me, you will not forsake my family. I choose to believe you, God, no matter what circumstance I'm facing. church body to just lay it all down for him right now. 
as we sing these words today, let it be a declaration of your life to release, to let go, to believe in God, to make a statement of faith with your heart and with your mouth today. Let's do that today, church. Amen. Church, I know. Sing it out. I 
of God today in this place. Life over is your in life, the over hand. your family, over your finances, your circumstances. Give it all right now. My life is in the Father, we just pray right now, Lord God. We are this is a this is a moment of surrender, God. This is a moment of saying, God, you know what you're doing, Lord God. I'm gonna put my life into your hands and you make something beautiful. I have tried to control my life. I have tried to hold on tight to everything that I have. I pray I open my hands and I open my life and I put it into your hands, Lord God, and you make something beautiful, Lord God. Even if I can't see it in the moment, Lord God, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my life. If you need to pray that, you pray that. God, I trust you with my life. I try to control every part of my life. And Lord God, I've made what I could make, Lord, but it's time for me to let go of all the areas that bring fear and bring just intimidation. And I say, let me step in to where you have me. Let me step in to the role you have me, the place you have me. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen, amen. Greet the person next to you. Tell them hello, hello, how are you doing? Love it. How are you guys doing? How are you feeling? I, I believe God has a very strong word for us today. But it, you know, the only way any any message works is that we have to be available. We have to open our hearts and say, God, work right here. Work in me. Sometimes the first person we think of, oh man, this is good for someone else. Have you ever thought of that? You listen to something, you go, that'd be perfect. That'd be perfect for Paul. All right. That'd be perfect. I wish someone else was here. Now, nah, this is for you. This is for you. This is for me. We have to allow God's word to speak to us directly before it can speak to anyone else. And, 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 if, and if it's a word of repentance, that's for us. If it's a word of trust, it's a word, uh, it's for us. I'm going to read you out of Galatians 6, one of my favorite verses, verse 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. 
Because we become weary in doing good sometimes. We think, oh, they don't deserve it anymore. And I love the simple gospels. The simple gospel always takes us to a place that says, we deserve nothing but Jesus Christ laid down his life because he believed in a greater story, a greater joy for us, for his glory. It's, it's, seeing, it's seeing the world at a bigger picture. Sometimes we get caught in our picture and we get stuck. And then it says, for at a proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, say opportunity. If you are breathing, you have opportunity. Don't ask for God to give me opportunity when we don't take care of the opportunities that we have, right? Opportunities to be a better neighbor, opportunity to fully embrace being alive, just breathing in and saying, thank you, God, I can't believe it. I know with all the struggles, I can't believe you placed me here on, in your big story. I can't believe it. When you're shocked by the small things, everything else is a bonus of life. And you can have joy when, when we are not so like, I demand everything for my life. When you start just enjoying the simple things, God starts to build something in you so you can transfer that to someone else. Let us have opportunity. Let us do good for all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. For right in this room, start right here. Don't look around right here for the needs right here. Let's take care of people in this room. But it cannot stop in this room. We cannot be a church that's inward focused. I think that's the death of the church. Obviously, I honestly believe that for my life. As long as I am focused on me and my needs and our things, we cannot see those who, are in, who, who need the love of Christ, who need the, the justice of, of what this Bible represents, the mercy of God. In, in James, it says, if you don't have mercy, you probably don't know who Jesus is because he has poured out mercy on our lives. And we should be in shock of the mercy. And how can we not give mercy when we have been so been so merciful right we've been given so much mercy so today as we come forward let us know that our giving yeah goes to how running this place but goes into the children like Gio says the legacy of your children it goes to uh, urban outreach it goes every month we support them for a dinner but we want to do more we want to do more, but it, we can only do more as we release. Let, I just want you to know, we, 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 um, are, we are, we are, we, we, say this, John, breathe. You guys fund this place. You guys fund us coming together. You fund the next opportunities we have to uh, bring justice and mercy of God into our city and into Denver. Know that your giving is not in vain. It doesn't go into the cafetorium, all right? We are good with the finances that, that comes to us. And I tithe just as much as you give. I give just as much as, as you give as well. Not just as much. I give like you give. I tithe. I, we give of our time, our talents, and our treasures to God. Like all of us, we join together as the family of God to make a difference in here and in our world. And I pray, let's embrace that. Don't hold back your passions. Don't hold back your giftings. Use it for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I can speak for an hour on this, but I will not because no one wants to hear that. But I pray in the name of Jesus, let us release our lives, Lord God, the control of our lives. We can't say, I surrender, Lord. I give it all to you, God. Then, I, then we say, what's in it for me, God? I pray in, in a proper place, Lord God, you have us in the right place for the right opportunity. Let us release our lives. It's not about finances. This is a release of life. Let us release our passions. Let it not dwindle to bring the light of Jesus into dark and broken places. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Right now, Julie's going to come up, speak quickly about life groups. Give her a hand.
Hello. So we lost a week um, of signups because of the snow. So we're a little bit um, behind, but life groups are starting up very, very soon. So make sure that you go ahead and sign up either at the website or on the app. If you're a complete nonconformist, just shoot one of these life group leaders a text and say, I'm coming to your house. It really does help um, them to be able to plan for you. I wanted to highlight just two groups that are actually three that are starting this week. Um, my group is going to be starting on Thursday. Um, all ladies. It's just a ladies only group. Sorry. I know Paul really wanted to go to that one. Um, so the ladies were meeting on Thursday. There's another group. Um, the men's monthly breakfast is this Saturday and you can talk to Paul or Franco more about that. And then also Financial Peace University starts this Friday and um, Heidi and Franco are going to be leading that and Mark and I get to go to that one this time. So um, join up. So make sure if you want to join any of those particular life groups, that you really get on it. Um, I also wanted to just let you know, sometimes Planning Center will sign you up accidentally. So just bear with that situation. I have now had three people join my group that never meant to. And one of them actually is gonna be speaking today. She got signed up for my group last semester, um, totally by accident, but I'm so glad she did. And she has agreed to come up and just chat with you for a few minutes. So Angel, come on up. Um, just welcome her, and she's just going to talk to you for a little bit about what Life Groups has meant to her. Wow, thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Angel. For those of you who do not know me, this is very hard for me to speak. I've never done it before, so just bear with me. So anyways, I'm, and I'm just going to say, um, I'm going to let you know how God has used me in Life Groups, and I first, I'm first going to start, start off by saying, I've never been one to want to join life groups. It's been very hard for me. I've been a follower of Jesus for a while now, and over the years I've been asked, you know, let's join life group, join life group. And I'm like, ah, I like these people, but I don't want to join life group. I don't want to get sticky and icky with them. You know, I'm like, I like my comfort. I like my comfort. So. Over the years, my husband and I joined the marriage life group because it was something we got to do together. Said, you know, I don't have to do this alone, you know, I can do it with him. And last year, I started having a lot of trials, you know, and I'm like, God, why, why, am, I, why am I going through this? And I felt like he told me, he showed me discipleship in life groups. So I went out of my way and I, I joined a few life groups last year. I mean, I went to the IF concert. Um, conference, excuse me. I've done Monica's group. We continued the marriage life group. And by accidental, I got signed up to Julie's. <laughs> and actually, I don't think it was an accident. I believe it was the spirit that led me. So when I joined that group, my walk began to walk further with God. And this is good for me because this is something that nobody can take from me, you know? And a, just a question that you can always ask yourself what desired me to start my own group is there was a question that God asked in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3 he said who told you that now every now every other day or when I'm feeling not worth it or like I'm not good enough for anything or anybody I said who told you that you know and I'm like and I tell myself that over and over and I, you know, and I began to say, if it didn't come from God, then it's not true. 
the whispers in my ear, the enemy, anything bringing me down. I said, nope, who told you that, Angel? And so my desire was to start a group for women, you know, showing their identity in Christ. And I want us women to know our true identity in Christ. Me being one, my walk growing with God, it's not where I want to be, but I'm glad it's where it's at. And I'm so happy for the trials I went through and for the women that were with me to help me heal. And I'm praying God will use me to heal them as well. So I have a few people signed up in my group and I'm not promoting this, but if you feel it on your heart, I encourage you to come to my group because I promise we're gonna learn and grow together through Christ. Because I know Isaiah 40, 29 says, I will give strength to the weary and I will give power to the weak and I believe in the word. So thank you. She did good. Who told you that? Mm, who told you you wouldn't do well? You rocked. I just want to. I just want to remind. Uh, just for what Julie said, men's life group Saturday at seven at IHOP. Just show up. That's that's how we do. It, that's right. 104 525. Thank you, John. And uh, and uh, just lastly, if you need, if your finances are in a wreck, go to Financial Peace University. Statistically, I would say like 80% of our finances are in Iraq Americans. So we, we are not above that. And a lot of us want to give and do good for the kingdom of God, but you just can't because it, it's so much fear. Make, make, do something about it. Don't, don't say, God, I have a problem and then do nothing. Go sign up for financial peace. Overwhelm them, all right? Overwhelm that group that they have to have two, two groups, all right? But at this time, I want to bring up my friend and uh, an elder of this church, a speaker here that uh, just brings life and leads this place together. Paul Frank, give him a hand. And he's going to, and get ready for him to speak to your heart. Amen. You did great. For having never spoken in your life? Oh, you meant up here. Oh. You did great. Sorry, uh, hopefully I'm in the right position. Bob texted me during worship. He said, your head's in the way. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I know I have kind of a big head and ego sometimes, but I don't mean to be. But anyway, so sorry for you online for staring at the back of my head. Welcome to Hill City Church. You can stop. No, I know, I'm just kidding. You can fade away slowly. Do a, do a nice transition for us so, it doesn't, so it's not awkward like it is right now. Welcome. Uh, I get the honor to speak with you this morning. There's a good energy in here. And uh, it's just when people come together, something happens. Amen. And we're in our Bold Moves series. Say Bold Moves. Bold. Oh, that was cool. That was like echo, echo. So we're in a year of Bold Moves. And John and I were just talking about this morning. We're going to print out a banner um, that we have throughout the year that's all about Bold Moves. So we're going to have our slides and our lion and uh, those kind of things. I wanted the lion up here, by the way, the painting. Uh, we don't have that, do we? Okay, it's okay. So not small incremental tweaks to our lives, but that we have a wonderful God, that bold moves is what he asks and even demands of us as we navigate this life. So a question for you. Who likes, uh, when you think about your vacation coming up, your tranquil place where you're at peace, do you think of a place that's tropical or mountainous? 
No, don't answer me. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I want your answers. From a t- <laughs> the tro- all the tropical people are like tropical. Uh, from a temperature sp- perspective, comfortable or uncomfortable? All right, so now you can answer tropical. Who's got the tropicals? Man, this is great. I love this mountains. All right, several of you didn't raise your hands. So you like Kansas or something or somewhere in the middle? I don't know. There you go. What was that? Both. Ah, all right. You have one choice. You can't be in both. Maybe that's Hawaii or something. You kind of go up to the mountains. But uh, for me, you can throw up the picture. Uh, you know, some of you, a lot of you would probably f- prefer uh, flip-flops, swimsuits, that type of thing. And uh, for me, I like that. Uh, I know some people uh, on the pastoral staff who like that. Uh, others, I prefer being in, can you throw up that picture? Do I have that? Or did I mess up? Uh, I prefer the, uh, the right side there. So that's not me on the left. That would be cool. That would be really weird if I did that. But on the right, that's not me either. So I took two pictures that were not me or anybody in this church. But I thought it would be good to contrast a little bit. When you think about your vacation, when you think about these things, what does it look like? For me, I like brisk environments. I like mountains. I like high altitudes with majestic views on top of mountaintops. That is my place. Come on. Anybody. Amen. Near the top, it's cold, it's rocky, it's scary. There's the potential for threatening weather, including lightning and hail. There's a huge cliff on this other side, uh, slipping off cliffs and so on. But when you get to the top, you experience something a few people get to see. If you ever fly, uh, climbed a 14er, right, how many people are up there? Like none, right? Well, maybe a few, all right? Um, so uh, I, I just, when you get to the top, there's a little bit of a rite of passage to these experiences, right? To get to those hard places that very few people experience, you got to get a little uncomfortable, right? You got to trust what's going on. You got to really push and have some, some trust and some faith to get to the top. On a beach, and this is, uh, I'm not trying to hate on my cruise friends. Anybody like cruises? All right. On a beach in the Caribbean is cool. I think it's beautiful. But how much fear, conquering, discomfort, trust, push, and stepping out does that really take? Okay, okay, yeah. Sorry. You got to get on a plane. You got to board. You got to, like, take a red eye. It's really hard. But God wants us to live bold lives, which sometimes means discomfort, with an ultimate goal of trusting him. So I want to talk about bold moves and specifically that God has called us to people who embody and live with bold trust. I was just thinking about this on my, on my um, here, let me ask you, what's the first thing you see on here? You don't have glasses? Oh, jeez. Trent, what's the first thing you see? Bold trust. Why do you, why'd you see it? It's in bold. <laughs> All right? When you, tech, when you bold text in a document or an email, you're, you're wanting it to what? Stand out. Right? You're wanting it to be separated from the rest of the text. And so I have all sorts of uh, bold, I didn't just bold, bold text. I did other things too. But that's the point. Bold trust means you're stepping out, you're doing something, right? Amen? All right. Imagine what your life would be like. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Imagine what your life would be like if you had absolute confidence that there really is a God, he knows your name, and has promised to be with you for your entire life and never leave you nor forsake you. I love the ABCs. The first one is, uh, I already forgot. Accurate, accurate, what was it? Except. The second one is belief, all right? That if we lived life where we didn't worry and had perfect trust in God, that whatever was thrown our way, we would trust God. The kind of temptation that when it happens, we 100% trust God to help us through it. When even something great happens, like a great job promotion, you find uh, anybody into too much money right now? Or when I met my wife, she's way out of my league. Um, I got this great promotion at work, whatever it is, right, that we have trust that it's not going to change me. That I'm going to come into that and be like, you know, it's not going to alter who I am as a person. 
Um, what, if, what if no matter what happened, you trusted God? No matter what. You were really totally at peace, no fear, no anxiety. Why should I be afraid? I just have perfect trust in God. No fear about my kids, about finances, about marriage, job, about your team winning on Sunday. It's, yeah, I just throw that in there. Um, it's not that everything goes your way. You just believe that God is working with you and for you to live this life, all right? Imagine that kind of trust, big, bold, out-of-the-box faith. And there's some people I've met in my life that are like this, uh, and, and sometimes if you're a non-Christian or even as a Christian, you kind of look at them like, are you even paying attention to the real world, right? When they're just like, it's okay. Whatever just happened, God's in control. I just trust him. And you're, sometimes it's a little bit annoying. Like, are you even in touch with your feelings? You know, do you even have a brain? No, no offense. But maybe you met someone like that that's kind of just doesn't matter what comes my way type of person. They just trust. And if you're not a Christian, you kind of want to rattle them a little bit. Like, have you, have you thought about, have you traveled and seen the world? Have you seen the doctor's report? You know, kind of asking them things. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. I get it. But I just trust God. I trust that his plan is perfect. And I start this way because that is where God wants to take you. That is where God wants to take me, is this absolute, unequivocal, unshaken trust in him and this confidence. So when you read the Old Testament, Old Testament's the first part of the Bible, um, God is trying to build an over-the-top confidence in him. The reason that it's part of this story is because in the beginning, the break between God and man, why did it, what was this break? It was the issue of trust. Okay, when it came, ultimately came down to, in the Garden of Eden, beginning of the Bible in Genesis, you can read about it sometime. I'm not going to read about it. But it wasn't just about disobedience like God, you know, Kyle, God said, hey, you did these three out of four things, but you just didn't do them. No, it was actually a trust issue. It wasn't a failing to obey issue that broke that initial uh, trust with, with God. It was man's refusal to trust God. Man decided, God, you're withholding something good from me. You just can't be trusted. Do you ever feel that way about someone, something, even God? I'm sure there's people in here. God, you just can't be trusted. You don't know what's best for me, so you can't be trusted. So God has been reworking the trust thing ever since. Our money, work, school, anxiety, everything would be impacted if we had that kind of confidence in God. See, so the first thing that God did in the Old Testament, I'm not going to go too much into this, was he created the nation of Israel, okay? People have heard the nation of Israel. And he did it with the purpose of showing the world what a relationship with God would look like, all right? So the first thing that God did was not give them the Ten Commandments. He didn't come in and say, boom, here's rules to have a relationship with me. Imagine doing that with your wife and coming and saying, hey, um, my wife's not in here. So imagine she's sitting right here. Babe, you got to meet all these things, and then we're going to have a relationship, right? I don't think that would go over well, Gio. So what God did, though, is he said, I'm going I'm to free you from Egypt, from slavery, all right, and he did that, and then that's when the relationship started because the relationship with God, with the Israelites, was started on trust. After he established the trust, then he introduced the law and said, here's how to live your life. Here's how to have a relationship with me. So does that make sense? So I want to make sure we all know that the, the foundational part of relationship with God is built on trust. And this is continued in the New Testament where there was a break in trust. There's this constant untrust saying, God, you don't know what's good enough for me. I just can't trust you. So God, when he sent his son Jesus, was to reconcile that trust to establish and reestablish that relationship with him. All right? So we all know as adults, I can take this out of a biblical concept, uh, context, that the relationship with your wife or your kids or anything, it's built on what? 
All right, I'm going to say trust a lot today. So if you, if you forget what the sermon's about, I'll be really disappointed, all right, without trust. And I might interchangeably use the word faith sometimes, although faith is different, okay? But I might say bold faith or bold trust, and I'm using them uh, synonymously. So when my son says, uh, when, my, when I'm late, my son trusts me. He says, Dad is late, but I trust him. He's going to pick me up right? My wife doesn't call. Sometimes I get really, I don't know if anybody else feels this. My wife doesn't call when she's supposed to be. I'm like, oh, you just let your mind go. Has everyone ever gone there? And then you're like, my wife's dead and I'm living out the rest of my life. And I'm like, what am I doing? She just went to Walmart for 20 minutes, right? But it's just this ridiculous thing. Like, why am I not trusting that it's okay? It's not just believing, but it's just trusting that everything's going to be okay. All right? So I trust my relationship with my wife. So much of his trust is, is with my wife. So say this, I trust you. Say it again, I trust you. Now, some of you, this may, I'm not going to get too serious here, but this may be hard for you to say. In your life, you have, your trust has been violated over and over and over again. So it might be hard for you to say, I trust you. All right? And I get that. But I want us to come out of this and understand today, as I teach, that God is asking us not just to have trust, but bold trust. And that includes relationship with him, relationship with others, and as we go throughout this life. Amen? All right. So, to illustrate bold trust, I want to walk us through a cool passage. Oh, I get this cool cup called Colorado Native. Anybody? Because I'm a native. Other natives in here? Come on. All the rest of you, welcome. <laughs> welcome to God's country. San Francisco is cool too. All right. It's okay. Uh, so Matthew 8, 10, 8, 1 through 10. In this passage, Jesus, per- oh yeah, there we go. That was like all, that wasn't coordinated at all. One, two, three. Matthew chapter 8, 1 through 10. And there was a bunch of cheers online. I could hear them. In this passage, Jesus performs two miracles. And this is the only time in the Bible that I've found where Jesus is amazed by something that someone else did. So, and I'll talk about the word, um, but Jesus was, was like, whoa. You know, you don't really read about Jesus. being. He's kind of does this thing. He's like, cool, don't tell anybody I did it. Let's go over here, you know. And then he's like, I just did this thing, and I'm going to go for a walk. See you guys later. But in this, in this, uh, in this, in this passage, uh, it's, it's uh, the first time where it elicits this emotion from Jesus that says, whoa. He's amazed, and I'll go into it, okay? So, and it's worth noting that in this story, it's not somebody doing something, ex, uh, extraordinary obedience thing. Like, man, John, you really did well on that fast. Whoa. John's doing a good job on the fast. Uh, but, or, man, you really prayed well this morning, you know, or you really follow the Sabbath. Uh, whoa, that's not what this is about. This is about trust and faith, which brings out this emotion in Jesus. So let's bring it up. One, uh, sorry, Matthew 8, 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. So leprosy was an illness. Uh, there, you could read, I'd really encourage you to study about leprosy uh, in the New Testament because it's really important that you know how, uh, I'll go there for just five seconds, that leprosy, you, you basically didn't interact with those people. And Jesus was like, boom, knocking down the door and coming and interacting with people with leprosy. So this man comes to him and says, uh, before he says, Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? So the man knelt down and, uh, knelt down and said, yes. Uh, will you do it? I believe you can. I trust you. Will you make me clean? And that's a lot of faith, right? To sit there and ask someone, can you clean me right now? And Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. So this would be a big deal to us if somebody walked up and said, you know, I have cancer. Can you heal me? And Jesus did it. Uh, but Jesus was doing this so regularly that their crowds are following. And they're like, yeah, good job, Jesus. <laughs> Another one healed, right? A little golf clap. 
So we're going to move on. That was bold trust, but that's not the point I want to focus on now. So things move on. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, it's on the north side of a Sea of Galilee, a centurion came to him. Anybody know what a centurion is? Cool. Well, I'm going to tell you. All right. Because I don't know either. No, I'll tell you. A centurion was a Roman soldier. Can you stand up real quick? You look like a Roman soldier. They're mocking you. <laughs> so come here. You got to face the camera. They can't look at the side. The profile view is nice. All right. So you had a, a centurion was a Roman soldier who had what? How many men? It was 100. Good job. You can read. It had 100 men assigned to him. All right. So there's a Roman soldier had 100 men. So whatever he, uh, Roman, uh, Roman soldiers were kind of the bad guys. Okay. They're kind of the raiders. All right. Of the local. Um, I'm just kidding. I just got to put it in, like, you know, current context here. So whatever he says to the men, they have to do it. So we need to use our imagination here a little bit. But here's Jesus walking through town. So I'll be Jesus. All right? Naturally. All right? So we walk through town with his disciples. And I got, you know, some Peter, John, and, and Matthew. They're called, uh, walking around. And then a centurion and a few of his men flanked on each side. These can be your soldiers. All right? They look intimidating. Yeah. Come on, Roman soldiers. You got to do what he says, though, unfortunately. So disciples are thinking, oh, man, we just came with kind of, they're like, they're like, we're so busted. Because these are like the, the mob. These are like the cops, right? And they don't come out, and, and they, they approach them like, what did you do, Matthew? You know, did you do something wrong? Uh, so in first, in first century Judea, okay, they are the invaders. They force taxes on people. They rob you. You would hide your money from them because they come out of nowhere and try to, you know, invade. Yeah, all right. So here comes a Roman, pagan non-God-fearing, law-breaking, heathen to Jesus. Don't worry, you're just acting, so it's okay. And he asked Jesus, he says, I need you to do me a favor. Okay, so the disciples, like, they don't like each other, right? These guys are like oil and water. So, uh, so he says, Lord, he said, my, t- my servant lies, I'm speaking on your behalf here, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jews hated the Romans, like I just said, all right? The centurion is saying, I need your help. And here's the disciples and Jesus' followers, and they're like, we hate these guys, right? And they're like, Jesus, they're thinking, well, good. We're glad your servant's sick. We hope he dies, actually. Uh, and we hope he's contagious. This is probably, is this, Jesus, come on, let's go. Let's go heal some Jewish people, right? Let's, we're not going to heal a Roman soldier's servant. Are you crazy? So we're not going to help a Roman. So Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? And based on your translation, I'll just go on this. This could be a, a question or it could be a statement. It's like Ron Burgundy or, right? Sorry, I was Anchorman. So trans, some translate is a question. So he, for, the first one is this, shall I come and heal him, right? And kind of asking his people, right? And they say, wait, wait, wait. The, they're saying the Jewish leadership already think we're absolutely crazy. You know, we're walking around. Now, and then we're going to start helping Romans. We're going to look at even more negatively. So the second, the second way of this is uh, more of a statement. So I'll come and heal him. Not, not a question. Or I'll go to your house and help you right now. All right? So this wasn't a question, a simple statement. Jesus is basically saying, come on, let's do this. You know, let's go help your servant. So the centurion replied, you can sit down now. Give him a hand. You really played the part well there. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. From the centurion's perspective, okay, I'm going to give a little bit of a little bit of translation here. I've been watching, and I don't need you to come home with me. I've been watching you, Jesus. You're kind of a big deal. I think you could heal my servant 
long distance or wirelessly over the cloud. I think you could heal my servant. You have the power. Whatever that thing is that's going inside of you, you could do it. So here's a centurion, Roman soldier, saying he's, he's making this observation of Jesus and his power. All right, so this is really profound, though. Verse 9, for I myself am a man under authority. All right, so you're a, big, you're a man under authority. With soldiers, these amazing soldiers, I tell this one, go, and he does it. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. All right, so this centurion's kind of a big deal. For I myself am under authority. I'm watching you. There's nothing extraordinary about you, but you command sickness to go away. I represent Rome, and these guys do what I say. I ask 100 men to do whatever I say, and they must obey me. The only reason they do what I say is because what? He represents Rome, all right? That's why he's under power and authority, and that power and authority is Rome. So sickness and death, he's saying this to Jesus. Do what you say. This is all paraphrasing, okay? This is, I'm not, this is not in the Bible, so don't look that up and be like, Paul, I didn't see that, all right? I'm kind of putting ourselves in like what he, the conversation, how it be going. Um, we're both under authority and power. I get mine because of Rome, and I don't know who's your, uh, whose authority you're under, but you don't need to come to my little house to heal my servant. Whoever you represent, they can heal my servant long distance. I just think this scripture is so cool <laughs> that, you know, sometimes when you know too much, you kind of see things the wrong way, and when you get someone who comes in and they just look at the situation, they're like, yeah, why don't you just do it this way? And you're like, I've been looking at that for years, you know? But this Roman soldier comes in and says these things. So when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. So here's this word. The word is thamadzo. It's a Greek word. All right, there it is. In case, uh, I don't know, Alan can probably read that or he used to be able to. No, is he wrong language? Whatever, Okay. So he was amazed, astonished, astounded, marveled. This is the only time this word was associated with Jesus in the New Testament. And it wasn't used in the context of an act of obedience. Like I said, it was used in the context of what? Trust and faith. So you can see Jesus just like, whoa, wow. I wish all the Jews were like the Roman centurion. And then Peter's like, Peter, John, Matthew, you guys looking at, you guys paying attention to this? You know, this Roman soldiers did this. And um, so here's how it finishes. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to, the, to those following him, truly I tell you, this is like a slap in the face to his followers. Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. So not to get hard, but imagine Jesus coming into our church service here and a person who's not a believer at all, and there's some non-believers in here, and they make an observation about the Christian faith. This is where Jesus is like, that person gets it. You guys don't. And I'm not saying that to this group of people, okay? But that's about what he was saying, all his followers. He said, I haven't seen anybody. These people are following him, like crowds and disciples and the Pharisees. They're all following. They're enamored. They're watching him. And he's, not, he's saying, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm saying, I have not seen any greater faith than this, than, uh, in Israel than this person. So this demonstrates for us what moves Jesus. What moves Jesus? Bold trust and big face. Uh, big, big face. Big faith. You may have a big face. This guy didn't know anything, and I'll just reiterate this a little bit more. This guy didn't know anything about the Jewish faith, the Ten Commandments. He couldn't enter the temple or even speak the language. But he recognized Jesus was connected to the one who can control illness, disease, life, and life and death itself. Come on. He put two and two together and expressed that trust. Jesus said, wow, that is the whole reason I came, is that you would have absolute confidence and trust in me. That's bold trust. So if God is about big, big faith, what results in big faith? What grows our trust, right? Is it just a belief that you guys come out of here on Sunday morning? You're like, yeah, I believe, I trust. 
Uh, I actually don't believe that. You're going to hear a great sermon, and I know it's, 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 it'll fade, you know, it'll make some, uh, hopefully it's a seed in your heart, and it, you can nurture it, but ultimately it's about what are rhythms in your life that will uh, really support bold trust. So I want to give you a few application things. If you're taking notes, like Pastor John here is, teacher, teacher's pet, no. I want to list five things that are a catalyst for bold, uh, for bold trust. So this is not a, thing, a list of things that are in the Bible. It's an observation. Uh, this isn't a thus saith the Lord. Uh, but if, as you evaluate your experience to date, kind of past experience and your future hopes and dreams, and look forward to your faith journey, we want to establish behaviors and participation that God uses to grow our trust. Anybody want to grow their trust and their faith in God? Man, I do. So number one, practical biblical teaching. And we believe that the primary place you're going to get that, if you call this your home, is right here. <laughs> so we at Hill City Church, and John specifically, try our best to tell the grand narrative of God as revealed through the Bible. We want to illuminate the biblical and practical truths that enable us to live with bold trust. So we will do our best to teach you what's in this Bible. Amen? Um, when we, you start studying your Bible yourself, you might say, wow, I had no idea that was in there. And that is the best revelation. You can hear us speak all the time. But when you, ex- when you understand and you read something yourself, man, it just goes deeper, doesn't it? It just goes deeper. And so if we deviate from the Word of God, then we're just a cool club with nice people. We can come in here and give you self-help and give you cool things. Uh, but at the end of the day, if, that's what we, if, if, we don't, if, we, if we get off the Word of God and, stay, and deviate from it, then we're just a cool club. So stories like I just read help demonstrate what bold trust looks like. Number two, providential relationships. That's a cool word, providential. Q, have you used that in your work week? This is providential, guys. No. All right, so providential basically just means it's, it's, it's really God-ordained. All right, do you ever have those relationships in your life? Um, you know, my wife, of course, I would put myself in there. Uh, but there's, there's relationships that I've ran into in my life that are providential, that I feel that it's not just someone I met or something I stumbled upon, but that person in my life was an absolute pivotal moment for me to meet that person. And from that point forward, I went in this area. Does that make sense? There's providential relationships. There's providential conversations. Um, and uh, I've had that at work. I've had it in, personally, in personal life. Um, so, um, you know, you just feel that God put them in your life that that group of women or guys invited me. It's like what you were just saying with the life group, right? You'd probably say that. Now, I don't know if you quite use the word providential, but, man, you went from no, not even, you didn't want to get icky, wicky. What was the word you used? <laughs> icky, sticky. I like that. That'll be our new slogan for life groups. Probably not. I'm just saying. But we'll put it, we'll put it as one of the options. But you went from not going to any groups. You said, are you at four groups now? All right. You're like, yeah, you're paid. Face should be on our, uh, yeah, come to groups. <laughs> but there's just people in your lives that, even without those relationships, without those things happen in your life, that you're like, I don't know where I'd be without these certain relationships. My trust and faith have expanded because of that person or those groups of people in my life. And I talked about this in guardrails about two months ago, about, um, you know, key relationships. There's good ones and there's bad ones. And, uh, man, I just want to have us be open to those good relationships because they are so important. We're not supposed to do this life alone. Number three, spiritual private disciplines. Learning how, I mean, this is, you guys have been coming to church for a while. Yeah, Paul, I know, pray, read the Bible, worship, all those things. Like, no, like, seriously, (laughs) you want to grow your trust and your faith? Spend time doing this. I'm not saying it has to be two hours, but learn how to spend time alone with God. And if you're scared and you don't know how to do it, you're like, I've never read the Bible myself. I don't even know what that looks like. Crack it open. You know, we're here to answer questions. We're here to do this life together. And um, so, uh, Number four, personal ministry. And then they asked me, I'm going to kind of play this out as a person who kind of comes into the church. And then they asked me to volunteer. (laughs) 
go on a mission trip or teach, and it was overwhelming, right? Like, I've never, if you ever teach the first time about the gospel, even if it's to, like, little kids, it's, it's scary. Like, I don't really know what I'm talking about here. But when you take those steps of bold trust and in personal ministry, you will grow. And then maybe you came to a service and you went through growth track and you joined a group like you were talking about. Then, then all of a sudden you're on a plane to Haiti or Africa and you're thinking, what am I doing? <laughs> right? And all of a sudden your life is being changed because you decided to serve and you decided to go into personal ministry. That you didn't just, uh, you know, come in and sit in the pew. We want you to do that. Pew, jeez. We don't, you know, just sit in these chairs. But in, come with us, right? Partner with Hill City Church. Make an impact on culture. Serve with us. You will be changed, man. Your trust, your faith will blow up. Number five. Lastly, this is the fun one. I believe that our comfort should be disrupted. Something in a moment happens. And sometimes this is forced upon you, and sometimes it has to be out of your own volition that you say, I have to go do this. I have to pursue my own discomfort. And I'm going to share a little bit about my story in a minute. Divorce, death, marriage, loss, gain. Pivotal circumstances that could have gone either way, sometimes good and sometimes bad. Everyone can say, um, you were just sharing about it a little bit, about some of the circumstances. You wouldn't trade them. In the crisis of life, you begin to turn to God. You do something that you have never signed up for. You write that check for $5,000 to Hill City Church. Come on. I'm serious. You're comfortable. You have the money. I'm not meaning to go here, but, man, that's uncomfortable, isn't it? But, man, your trust, your faith will grow. It's not about us. We don't need it, okay? God doesn't need it. It's about growing your faith and having those rhythms of generosity, those rhythms of disrupting your comfort. Oh, man, that was good. I truly believe that these trials, hard times, they could be markers in our relationship with God. Um, Did you drink my water? No. It's up here. How dare you? So as I begin to close, I want to share my trust journey over the past year. I'm not going to cry. Well, maybe I will. But about a year ago, I was dealing with some major trust issues with my life. Direction with obedience to God. All right, I got about two pages left, and I'm crying five words in. I was very comfortable in my job, leading a product portfolio for a company called GHX. It's a healthcare IT company. I've been there for 13 years. I started when I was just 24. Um, Typical kind of climb the ranks, you know, whatever. Um, And uh, I got into a place where uh, I had good pay, benefits, Managed a great team of people that worked well together across, across the globe. Countless personal relationships, direct line to the CEO. Actually just had, I went over to my CEO's house two weeks ago to, uh, to have dinner with him. I mean, who can do that? Autonomy, independence, well-respected. They trusted me. They trusted me to help grow the business. And uh, this, was that, this was what many people would aspire to and hope for in a career. And I was aware of the goodness that I had. Um, But I also know that in many ways, I was dying in my comfort. How do you have this conversation when you're like, there's goodness, it's good things. But I can say a good thing can become an idol. A good thing in your life can quickly become an idol that is your trust. That is the thing that you say, well, as long as I have a bank account full of money, as long as I have a full-time job, 
As long as I have this, that becomes the thing that just ultimately, if you peel back the, the onion and you, the layers, and you find that if that thing was taken away, my trust, my faith would fall apart. And if you have some of those in your life, that's what I'm trying to get at is that discomfort. Those things that are, I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable. Uh, or I, I feel like I'm struggling, my, you know, challenging myself. But um, for me, this is what, this is what I had to do. Okay. I'm not telling you to quit your job or walk away, but this is what I had to do. I was dying in my comfort. I was being lulled along in my faith by having these comforts mask what a true, trusting, bold life looks like. The pivotal circumstance for me was this, and I'm not the type of guy that says, God told me, okay? Uh, I'm not against that. I actually believe in the audible, true voice of God. But I've never had that in my life, if you would have asked me that probably a year ago. Um, yeah, my wife, you know, God told me to marry my wife. Um, but I didn't actually experience that. Like, what does that feel like when, like, God God spoke? And a year ago, about, I felt that. Uh, I was in a meeting on a Saturday morning, and I heard the voice of God say, Paul, it's time to go. You need to leave GHX. God, you know what I make? <laughs> Do you, I, I don't make that much, but, right? These conversations, we were like, no, this is good. I ignored it at first, shooing away what happened. Then over the following days, it became more and more apparent, apparent that it was indeed the voice of God, and he was calling me into a new thing. So after several weeks of praying, many long chats with Megan, my wife, seeking counsel, wrestling with the thought, I made the bold decision, went to my leadership last May and told them I was resigning. First question, where are you going? I'm taking a sabbatical. <laughs> I'm taking time off. And that was so foreign and countercultural to them at work. It was like, the first question is always, where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. I'm just trusting God. And I would actually have those conversations. I had the most beautiful conversations over the last six months. This isn't about me, but just having bold trust will open up conversations about your faith, about Christians actually being different. Come on. After several, uh, I'm generally a smart, wise person. Not always, I make so many mistakes, uh, but I'm smart with my money. Finances have been great, uh, given some great opportunities from a career perspective. I didn't have a job lined up. My wife doesn't bring in an income. It was not ideal, but God called me to go. Uh, this was the time for the Franks to step out in bold trust, to trust God in those quiet spiritual moments when it's so foreign and seems upside down, to have bold trust for what he's called us to be, to step out in faith to allow discomfort into our lives and to really live a trusting and bold life with bold moves. There's so many things I've learned and experienced over the last past year of my life, but the thing that has stood out the most is to fear not and to step out in bold trust. Say fear not, fear not. I wrote this on the beach when we were in Oregon with my family back last summer. I did a little uh, sand sculpture, fear not. My old kids are like, dad, fear not. You know, Everett came up to me today, he said, dad, good luck, fear not. Uh, but I've experienced a new depth, love, and relationship with my Heavenly Father, trusting Him to catch us even when we step out, and He has caught us, me, my family. Oh, man, God is good. <laughs> I believe that God has called us to live trusting Him with bold trust and not die in our comfort, but rather, not die in our comfort, but rather live conquering our fears. I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to switch to a video clip. Uh, hesitating to show it, but I think we're going to do it. Uh, it's from The Greatest Showman. It was, uh, if you've seen that movie, uh, I'm not going to actually show a clip from the movie. This was a, a recording that they did before uh, of, the, of the song, kind of the anthem of the, of the movie called This Is Me. And they were doing this to get the movie greenlit. 
and uh, greenlit just means, you know, approved for production. Uh, the main singer was terrified, <laughs> Joey. She was really good, but she sat behind a stand, just like I've been sit standing here most of the day. And you got to watch what happens when she finally decides to bull trust and step out and let herself go and just leap off that cliff. And uh, the main thing to watch, first watch the piano player. He's really cool. <laughs> and second, just watch when, you, when someone exhibits bull trust, when we step out, that the infectious nature of that and how it impacts the rest of the room, all right? You guys can go ahead and play it. Benji Justin has just written this new song called This Is Me. And uh, we knew that it was going to be the anthem of the film, um, but no one had heard it before. And no one had heard Kiala sing it live. And Kiala, who I didn't even want to come out from behind the music stand. I didn't. I, I kept saying to her, just step out, because this is your moment, and you have to step out into the ring, metaphorically, because that's what you're doing, and you've got to stand right there in front of everyone and just belt this out. And I didn't want to. In fact, I stood behind that music stand yeah. until the day of that presentation. There was a moment in the song that I actually was so scared that I had to actually grab Hugh's hand so that I had somebody to hold on to. And then we got to the end of the number, and all I remember is just deafening, deafening applause. It was a sort of otherworldly experience. It was one of those moments that will stay with me the rest of my life. Unfortunately, we filmed it. I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, cause we don't want your broken parts. Learn to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say.
Come on. That makes me cry every time I watch it. My son's like, why are you crying at this? I'm like, I don't know. Hill City, look out. Here we come. Come on. Even in that moment, she steps out. <laughs> she was terrified, you know? She's like, somebody hold me. <laughs> I'm stepping out, but I'm terrified. And just because you both trust, man, it's not like it's so good, man. They stepped out and they started this company and it's making billions. And like, that's what we celebrate, man. Bull trust is small things in our life. Amen. For me, it was stepping away from my job, a big idol for me. Work is beautiful. I'm all for working. You have to know my heart there. But for me, it was stepping out and disrupting my comfort. Say, God, I trust you. Oh, that was weak. Say, God, I trust you. The men who knew the Old Testament the best, the ones who were the goodest, they didn't even recognize Jesus. It was the Roman centurion that saw it. There was no moment-by-moment faith. Jesus came and pointed them, like I said, to this man who didn't even understand Jewish religion. This is the greatest faith I've ever seen. Bold trust amazes God. I'm going to pray in a second, but if this Jesus thing is new to you and you'd like to know more about him, his plan and purpose for your life. Please please find one of us up here. We'd love to pray with you and for you in this faith journey that we're all adopting and, and uh, living by. So you can close your eyes. We're going to pray. God, here we come. God, that we're bold moves this year. We're bold trust. Oh, we have bold mission. God, we're, we're making bold moves, not just tweaks to our life. I thank you for the Bible, God. I thank you for making it simple, <clears throat> for calling us to relationship and not perfection relationship and not just knowledge. This is what we need in the quiet moments of our life, dependent on you and your life through us, that we would trust you with blessings and hardships. Maybe we implement and put ourselves in these environments of practical teaching, relationships, spiritual disciplines, service, and even allowing the disruption of our comfort. God, all of it is in order to foster the growth of our faith and trust and confidence of you. That's what this world needs. That's what our culture needs. That's what our city needs, God, is bold moves from bold Christians, God, in bold churches, making a broader impact in this place, God. We believe that. And you know why we believe it, God? Because we trust you. You're a mighty God, worthy of our trust. Thank you, Jesus. We love you and trust you with our whole lives. Can you guys stand? And we're just going to sing this one last time, and then I'll close this out. I have those three words up there. If you guys can remember this, disrupt our comfort, step out, and God, I trust you. Sing this with Jem and the band one last time, and sing it with all your heart, amen? Let's not be weak. Let's raise our hands. Let's sing loud and worship God at this last moment. Climb this mountain with my hands wide open i will climb this mountain with my hands wide open i will climb this mountain with my hands wide open i will climb this mountain with
Come on, church. Hands wide open. worship God for just a moment. God, we worship you, God. We praise you, God. Jesus, God, we worship you. Amen. God, there's nothing we hold on to because we trust you. Because we trust you, God. You're for us. You are a mighty God and worthy of our trust. I'm going to pray us out. Um, Use our app, our website, our Facebook page to access our content. All this is online. And uh, join us next week. We're going to continue on Bold Moves with John coming back to the the stage (laughs) with Bold Mission. Say Bold Mission. Bold Mission. We're Bold Moves this year. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the revelation, God, of trust and faith and the relationship that we can have with you, God, by stepping out in faith. Yeah, we'd be close to you. We'd pursue you, Father. I thank you for this church, for Hill City. I pray for trust and faith over every single person who's here in this building, everybody who's online, God. We love you. We thank you for being a good Father, a good God, God. And we want to give our lives back to you for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.